Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Good morning. We're coming up to two minutes past nine. You're tuned to 102.73 Triple R. Maybe you're listening via rrr.org.au. It's Radio Marinara time. We're the show about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. And I'm Cade Mouth. Hi, Cade. I'm fantastic, Bron. Yeah. Very good. I'm pretty good too. Yeah, it's yeah. been warm today, but it's kind of got that grey look about it. Yeah. 22. I'm getting, I can read the signals. Thanks, Nerida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice when we went out. It's just that kind of grey, and I think we're going to get a bit of rain, but yeah, there's no excuse not to get out, particularly in the water, because you're going to get wet anyway. Wasn't it glorious yesterday? Yeah, it was. It was sensational. Stunning. Yeah. Hey, I tell you who else is stunning is Tim Thorpe. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> we love him. Correct. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew, too, for Soulful Bits. You can catch Tim next Saturday morning, 6 a.m. You set your clock bud. Bright and shiny. Today's program, Neil Blake's coming in shortly to uh, talk about a few things baykeeping related. Uh, he is our baykeeper. We know you've come across Neil and his alter ego, Captain Trash, before. He's going to be talking about sandy sediment mollusks surveys, northern Pacific sea stars and links between the two. Wow. Hmm. And how uh, we need to understand those links to really get a, a full uh, understanding of the impact of the northern Pacific sea stars on the marine environment. That's it. And if anyone sort of knows a bit, it's Neil. He's out there probably more than most. <laughs> got a good understanding. It's the eyes and the ears and the feels of the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some news. There's been a whole bunch of stuff going on this week. And, Kay, this is really exciting, what you're going to be bringing us today. It's very exciting. It's been bumped three times. <laughs> I was originally going to present it in March. And I will finally be talking about some of the impacts of noise in the ocean. Um, and it's just a couple of... I guess small studies, but with big impacts. Excellent. We're so glad. This is very cathartic, finally getting to part two of Noise in the Sea. Well, I did say I was frantically doing my back research in the car before (laughs) I came into the studio (laughs) because it had been six months since I've looked at it. But I'm all sorted and ready to go. Excellent. Um, Jeff Maynard's coming in as well. He's bringing us the next instalment of Sound Waves Meets Blow Waves. So if you're unfamiliar with this, um, Jeff presents a, a segment every month or so on Sound Waves and their little bits of usually archival footage or soundage of, um, of marine-related TV shows and movies and all sorts of things. And we've got to focus on the... The, the glorious decade of the 70s and early 80s. Oh, it's amazing. It's like a bit of a time warp for me. It's like having flashbacks Yeah. when he comes in. I love it. The only thing I know about this one, he says there's a sing-along involved. So oh, so we're singing. Oh, I'm Great. Not. My voice is already a bit crook. It's going to be worse. <laughs> Nerida can sing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get lots of subscribers as a result of that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks. Just on that. Um, Thank you, everyone. We have been thanking people who have subscribed. You do have until Wednesday, 25th of September at 5pm to pay up. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can still do so. Um, And uh, you'll be in the running for all the major prizes, just not the dailies, but all the other, the the big category and major prizes. So plenty of good ones there. There are some amazing ones there. Plenty of good ones, yeah. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of great prizes. But just do it because it's the right thing to do. 
you know, that's another reason. And you're all good people. That's why you're listening. Yeah. yeah. We, we love you. Can we do some weather? Oh, well, we've sort of when we've sort of touched on the fact it's going to be we have 20, touched, 22. Yeah, well, the paper's saying 20, so Nerida's bumped it up by a couple for well, us. I'm with Nerida. Yeah. Let's go with Nerida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I actually heard that a couple of days ago, so. Ah, uh, well, it does change. Yep, it So does. we've got sort of like northerly winds at the moment, so I'm guessing most of the surfers are either down the coast or heading to the coast. Uh, to make the most of the offshore winds, it's going to be turning around to the west-southwest during the evening, so best get down there early. Uh, tomorrow's going to be, this is, we're heading to true spring weather. So tomorrow we've got 14 with a shower or two. Tuesday, sunny with 15. Wednesday, 19 and sunny. Overnight lows of like five and six. So Ooh. crisp in the mornings, but Ooh, beautiful yeah. during the day. Thursday's a good one, 23 degrees. Oh. Yeah, I did see really strong northerlies on that day, so... Um, hopefully there's some swell. I might be taking some time off to get down there. <laughs> and then Friday, 22, overnight lower 16, so getting more spring light. And then Saturday, 15 degrees. So we've got – you kind of get the best and the worst of the world over this time of year. It's fantastic. At the moment, the surf – and at Phillip Island, average conditions at Woolamai with small surf along the reefs. Morning to Peninsula, about a metre, metre and a half sort of waves at Portsea before the wind picks up. And then the surf coast, you're obviously going to get some good spots with those sort of westerly winds and north winds um, around about a metre or so. Great. So get out there, get amongst it. The tides are, it was high at 3.30 this morning, which was when I was up hanging out with my son. And <laughs> it, <laughs> the low tide is at 10 o'clock, so in an hour's time at the end of the show. I'm, I'm not being a complete cow laughing at you. I've just been there. Oh, no, everyone. I'm, I'm a lot laughing of people out of, have been there, yes. Out of pure empathy, Kate. I mean, some people were up at three o'clock because they went out and had an, saw an awesome gig. Oh, That's right. For completely different reasons. Uh, I reckon we've got time for a little bit of news. Probably, the, the for me, the big news, or a couple of big news items of the week. One was the presence of a sunfish in Port Phillip Bay. Yeah, you come the, across this? The footage was amazing. Uh, when I worked down at Fisheries in Queenscliff, we did actually have one that washed up at 13th Beach and yep. ended up in the freezer for quite a while. And Given um, government department freezers, it's probably still in the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be a big freezer. Was it a big specimen? It's a a massive big walk-in. Yeah, it was. I think it wasn't a fully grown adult, but it was still quite a big specimen. Yeah, I couldn't give it a hug. Yeah, right. Yeah, so (laughs) it was pretty big. So this is pretty exciting. But this one was alive in the bay, yeah. We're going to talk to Neil about this sunfish that came in and um, talk a little bit about sunfish and what they are as well. We had a request from a listener to know more about sunfish. What are they? Where do they come from? What do they eat? How big do they get? Fascinating creatures. So, yeah, pretty special to have one in the bay too. It is a rarity. It is. The bay has, like we had a leatherback turtle turtle a couple of years ago. The whales started to come in, like all sorts of... um, Weird and wonderful things rock up. It's great. The other really um, big news of the week, which um, uh, Peter Beach sent me, um, and Anth as well, thank you. Uh, this, is a, this has got to be the headline of the year. You know where I'm heading with yeah, this straight away, do. don't you? It was a, great when I saw a, it. Alleged drug gang thwarted by giant steel in $1 billion Australian drug bust. And then this is in The Guardian. So in case you're thinking this is one of the, um, you know, the, the tabloid, uh, you know, headline um Pieces? No, this is this is out of the Guardian. Yeah, so seals working on border force now. <laughs> yeah. So this was on an island um, called Burton Island, no relation, uh, off the West Australian coast, off Geraldton, and um, three men charged, or oh, three more men, uh, to I gather the original three men. So maybe that's six charged over a massive one billion dollar drug haul found off a tiny island off Western Australia after a yacht ran aground and was abandoned. And uh, so there was 
a launch, um, a raid that was launched on Burton Island off Geraldton last week with um, three men found with allegedly 1.087 tonnes of uh, methamphetamine, cocaine and ecstasy in dozens of bags that they'd attempted to hide under seaweed. Yeah. This this is just such cold. That's great, yeah. So uh, anyway, they tried to tried to do a runner when the police turned up, but they were thwarted when a huge seal blocked their path. Police said the pair were charged last week with importing a commercial quantity of a border controlled drug. Uh, so good on your seal. I don't know what kind of seal it was. It doesn't actually say. It just says a giant seal. What do you reckon? An Australian fur seal, perhaps? I don't know. The one on the, the image that you've got there looks pretty angry. It, it looks like a bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> it was when police arrived, uh, arrived, they made a run for their dinghy but were thwarted by a huge sleeping seal. They woke it up and it jumped up with its big chest and bellowed at them. The guys basically had a choice of going through the seal or getting arrested and they chose to get arrested <laughs> instead. Isn't that fabulous? Uh, I wonder if the seal will get a, a medal of some sort. It should. It's assistance, yeah. 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 9.10, you are listening to Radio Marinara on 3 Triple We're going to play some music and then we're going to be joined by Neil Blake to talk to us about mollusk surveys, uh, Northern Pacific sea stars and this amazing sunfish in the bay. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinara en 3 R. Oh, yes, you are. It's 9.17 and uh, you are listening to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Without further ado, welcome, Neil Blake. Greetings, Ron and Kate. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Well, really good. It's great to be alive. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Now, we haven't seen you for a while. We did see uh, your alter ego, Captain Trash, in during Radiothon. Yeah. Uh, How is the good captain going? Well, it's a funny thing, I never actually see him, you know, whenever he's around, I'm I'm not there and vice versa, you know. Yeah, I I believe he's doing all right. Excellent. Now, a few things we want to cover today, and one of them we mentioned earlier was the presence of this incredible sunfish in in Port Phillip Bay during the week. We actually had an email that was sent to us um, via Triple R from Rob, and Rob's... um, uh, surfing dog spike (laughs) so thanks for your email rob and he says um hi there three triple r uh this is for uh my favorite fish heads at radio marinara thank you sunfish and there's a photo that was taken by someone called liz at middle park beach on wednesday morning which was when the sunfish appeared and uh, he is asking can you tell me and listeners about sunfish where are they from what do they eat yeah well what do we know about sunfish well they're uh Right around the world, they're in tropical waters and temperate, although we don't see them that much down in Port Phillip Bay. So, But it's good this, this is the first live one that I've come across. Um, so, And uh, they do eat uh, jellyfish, uh, and unfortunately you're mistaking plastic bags for them. That's one of the problems they've got. Mm. Uh, it's also... The other problem problem they've got, as I understand it, is that they're frequently caught as bycatch by you know big commercial fishing operations out in the open oceans. Uh, but they do eat um, small fish as well as squid. Uh, so they feed not only on the surface where you might come across the jellyfish, but down in the lower depths as well. Yeah, so they've got a, a varied diet. We were talking before the show started, um, Kay, about sunfish. I saw one years and years ago off um, Jarvis Bay when I was diving up there. You've come across them occasionally as well? Uh, no, it's only the one no. that ended up in the freezer oh, at work. Right. Yeah, oh, right, that's yeah. That's the only time I've seen it. <laughs> and that was washed up. That was washed up yep. at 13th Beach, yeah. Because they can be a real issue with boat strike 
um, well, uh, large company. animals. So they can be, you know, a thousand kilos, which I, I believe wow. is as big as <laughs> heavy as a rhino. So yeah, they, and they wouldn't uh, just sort of be bopped out of the way by a boat. No, <laughs> they are. They're massive. The one that I saw was absolutely huge. Uh, I did a quick uh, little bit of research on it last night, and uh, this is really interesting. Females of the species, female sunfish, produce more eggs than any other known vertebrate which is incredible, up to yeah. 300 million eggs at a time. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that incredible when you consider how many eggs they produce but how rare they are in the ocean to actually see an adult? It makes you kind of wonder where are they all? Or do they get eaten before they get an opportunity to, oh, to and grow? And then on the flip side is the male producing 3 million sperm to <laughs> fertilise well, those eggs as well. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, they, they, they release the eggs into the open ocean, so you know the chances of you know, connecting with the sperm is one of the uh, risk factors there, I suppose. But then uh, in, in their small uh, larval stage, they'll probably be cleaned up by a, a host of sea fishes as well, and then, then when they get to adult, if they do, then there's orcas and other... Uh, larger predators that will go for them. Yeah, I was reading about that. So um, sea lions, killer whales, or orcas, and sharks tend mm. to be their main predators. Mm. Plus that, the fisheries yeah. bycatch. And now I've got questions I don't know if we can answer, but do they aggregate at any stage, like spawning populations or anything like that? Is there anything known as far as... Uh, well, apparently do, they do have spawning areas in, yep. in the ocean, so in different oceans like the Northern Pacific and the South Pacific. So there would be... Uh, I'd, there'd have to be some So there's kind of the hot spots where they kind yeah. of will gather at certain times mm. for it. Yeah, wow. There you go. But not Port Phillip Bay. No. No. <laughs> not yet. So this one that's in the bay, though, would be f- struggling to find a jellyfish at the moment. So I'm not quite sure why it arrived. But uh, uh, I'm going to be heading down to Middle Park Beach so this Wednesday to do some live mollusk survey. So we'll see if it's still in the neighbourhood. Excellent. Let's move on to mollusk surveys. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm always banging on about mollusks, as you know. <laughs> uh, not many people are into mollusks for some obscure reason. They are they are a, a phylum near and dear to my heart, Neil. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, there still hasn't been a cartoon character of a mollusk, though, but I'm working on that. Uh, but, but, yes, I'm, I've been very interested, though, in the... Um, the mollusks that live in, in the seabed, the sandy seabed in, mm. in particular, which don't seem to have been all that well studied. And uh, their role in the whole system probably is not at all understood. So that's sort of what I'm hoping to shed some light on with our uh, live mollusk surveys that we'll be doing on Wednesday. And if people want to come along and uh, join in the party, uh, we'll be at Kerford Road Pier at 11am. It's going to be 19 degrees on Wednesday. Pretty pleasant. Very uh, nice mollusk surveying yeah, yeah, weather. You're selling it well now. No rain, it. no rain. It's going to be a real good day. The tide will be low, so the conditions will be perfect. A little bit windy, but that's going to drop off towards the, in the afternoon anyway. And what kind of surveying are you going to be doing? Is it mostly bivalves? Uh, yes. Well, yep. uh, the, the process is we uh, do beach profiling, so we uh, measure or take record the sand surface levels in a transect across the beach and into the intertidal zone. And then once we're in the intertidal zone, we start taking shovel samples and sieving them every four metres or so just to see what mollusk species are in that sample. Mm. What do we know so far about what's out there? 
Are they mostly um, local species? Uh, yeah, well, the main one that I found in um, right around the eastern side of the bay in particular is the elongated wedge shells, which are, are quite a small little, relatively fragile little bivalve, but in big numbers. And I, like the uh, sunfisher, I suspect they might shed millions of uh, eggs into the water too so mm. that, because they're very, very common uh, and possibly an important part of the food chain. And when we're talking about bivalves, like bivalve literally means two two sides yeah, to the like shell, a two clam shells. Thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we might know them as pippies, but there's lots and lots and lots of different types. Yeah, and the other two, though, I've actually started processing the dark shell, shoreline shell survey data that I've collected over the last ten years around the bay, and uh, a couple of the most common uh, or widely recorded species um, is the thin-ribbed cockles, mm-hmm. and the Catalysia, that's another uh, sand cockle. And it um, just turns out that they happen to be a favourite food of Northern Pacific sea stars. Uh-huh. So that may be the reason why they're turning up on beaches uh, more commonly than others. Yeah. So that's from surveys where you're looking at dead shells as opposed to that's right, live yeah, shells, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So we thought we'd better try the live animals after a while, Cade, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to try and get a bit closer to the truth. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting, though, to see what does turn up on beaches. It's some kind of an indication of the species that are living in the neighbourhood. But uh, to actually find the ones that are definitely living there now, you, you need to go out and sample the sediments. So. Do you find with the live ones, is, are they quite patchy? As far as like you'll hit a spot and there might be hundreds of them and then three metres away there's only a few to be seen? Or are they reasonably evenly distributed through the areas that you're looking in? Uh, no, they definitely uh, are patchy and that's the sort of why we're interested in um, recording the, um, the sand surface levels so that uh, whether or not depths in the water column make some, uh, have some influence over it, uh, we don't know. So, but it's a matter of keeping on gathering that information. So, uh, I'm hoping to gather a group of uh, people uh, called the Bay Nomads to join me <laughs> on these little forays out into the Mollusk uh, ethos and uh, really find out what's going on. I think it's a good opportunity for people who have got a bit of spare time, you know, perhaps um, maybe retired people who are interested in finding out a bit more about what's going on in the bay so they can transfer that information to their grandkids. Yeah, and what about um, parents out there with young kids, sort of particularly kinder age kids? Because to me that seems like a perfect opportunity to really go and actually do some great active learning. Yeah, exactly, that's right. And so coming up with some activities that can be finished within an hour or two, you know, so they can come along and have some good interaction, get some knowledge and go away and share that uh, with their kids or bring the kids too because it's it's all perfectly okay, you know. Great. So this is happening on Wednesday, 11 o'clock, Kerford Road Pier. That's right. Middle Park. Yep. And uh, how can, can people just show up? Should they give you a call first? Uh, it'd be good if they gave me a call. It's 0409 138565. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just appreciate that, just so we know how many people are coming. So. And that number again, if people are looking for a pen? 0409 138565. Great. And if you've missed it a second time, you can go back and listen via Radio On Demand. Uh, fantastic. Anything else coming up, Neil, particularly with uh, school holidays just around the corner? Uh, well, yeah, I'm actually heading over to um, uh, Point Richards again too uh, at the Greater Green Project. Where's Point Richards? It's uh, just a little bit west of Port Arlington. Okay. 
Yeah, and uh, the, these um, uh, reef installation that I've been involved in monitoring uh, with the City of Greater Geelong and mm. the National Centre for Coasts and Climate involved in that. So I'll be heading over there. It might be after the school holidays, though, unfortunately. So I think probably the best school holiday activity will be this Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> now, this reef installation, just wanted to ask you about this. Is mm. this at the Dell near Clifton Springs? Have you heard about this one? Uh, it's a bit bit further to further the east of Clifton Springs. Okay, yeah. I was wondering whether it was the same place. Um, uh, Kath Jack, who used to be part of um, our wonderful Radio Marinara crew, mm. uh, who is living down that way now, sent me a link to some really exciting um, reef installation uh, art reef installation yeah. that's happening down at the Dell. So we might, we'll catch up on that one. Yeah, sounds uh, fascinating. Maybe next time you're in, we can talk about that one some more. Hmm. Looks like a fantastic uh, site that's being set up for snorkeling and diving into the future. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Pleasure as always having you here. Yeah, Please it's great. pass our regards on to Captain Trash. I will do. Well, I mean, he, he always speaks fondly of you. <laughs> <laughs> How's he travelling with his Archibald um, painting done of him? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, Hasn't it's, gone to his head. No, the exhibition's still there for another couple of weeks. Excellent. So this is down at Docklands. At Pan Pacific. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Neil. Radio 3 Triple R. And uh, now, Kate, got some time for some news. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, sorry. no, it's not for this segment. Oh, no, Meredith, sorry. just relax. <laughs> it's relax. It's all right. New it's tech. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a fluster. <laughs> sorry. Go, we've, go. Got, we've got a little sound segment that we're going to be playing you shortly, but not right now because right now we're going to do... No, we've got a couple, couple, of, couple, couple of plugs yes. for the Australian Marine Science Association. Uh, they've got a Marine Careers Day coming up. So if you're a student, postdoc, postgrad or someone that's just keen, they've organised an amazing lineup of, I guess, local... Local people that work in the marine environment, so for a lot, government department, academia, consulting companies, sort of the whole gamut of sort of work you can do in the marine environment. They've got them all coming in just to tell their story about how they got into it, how they've ended up in the position they're in and the work that they do and what sort of helped them out. So Fantastic. So yeah, it's there to help out students. So it's on next Saturday on the 21st of September. It's from 10 o'clock to 2 and it's just at RMIT in the city. So you can just jump on the train straight into Melbourne Central, cross the road at RMIT and you're there. It's 10 bucks, which includes morning tea and a barbecue lunch. Oh, the, nice. Yeah, well, the 10 bucks is just to make sure you turn up, basically. Right. <laughs> charge them. Um, and you can register through Eventbrite. So if you just type in Marine Careers Day, you'll come up with the link for it and you can go there. And then to follow up, just a couple of weeks later, the Australian Marine Science Association is having a night which will showcase Victorian marine scientists. Uh, it's been going every year for probably the last five or so and it's going to be on tuesday the 8th of october from six to seven o'clock at rmit again tickets are only about five dollars for concession ten dollars if not and we've basically just got some of the researchers from victoria about talking about some of the things that they're up to and what they've been doing so there's some great work on research on penguins there's using artificial intelligence to identify fish from video there's some stuff on marine pests and oh, coral evolution as well, so people working in that. And there's a few others that are yet to be confirmed. But if you jump online and just grab the tickets, it helps the organisation know who's turning up. Fantastic. So, it's yeah, a couple of great marine events for those fishy people out there. It's a wonderful event, the ANSA Showcase. Uh, I remember going along to that when I was a student. It's been going on for years and it's really fantastic. It Gives has, and actually the Careers Day, I, I sent out an email to let people know and Anthony responded with a, woohoo, that's still going. I remember <laughs> yeah. starting that up way 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 back in the day yeah so it's yeah it's ongoing but it keeps all the marine interested people sort of in the gives them a sense of community and keeps them in the loop 
Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we will put those uh, details on our Facebook page, on the Radio Marinara Facebook page. Um, and the event on the 6th and 7th of October will definitely... Um, it's the 8th of October from 6 till 7. I can see you're reading my I'm notes. I'm trying to read your notes. <laughs> 8th of October. Thank from you. From 6 o'clock. Tuesday, 8th October from yes. 6 o'clock. Yes, we'll, we'll cover that one more in the lead up to that day. That'd be great. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. Hi, this is Wayne Lynch, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Oh, yes, you are. Where It is 22 minutes to 10 o'clock, and uh, we've had a couple of people who've subscribed, Kate. Woohoo! We've got um, John Mathers from uh, Blegowry, uh, who has subscribed to Triple oh, R. Bingo! To, uh, to <laughs> Radio Marinara. I've actually brought in some fish names because I prepared, like, I don't know, a crazy number, and we didn't end up using them all. Um, so, John, you're an extra life encrusting rose sponge. Hope you enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carly Bronk from Grovedale, another bingo one there. So thank you so much. Also subscribing to Marinara. And we had to put in a special sunfish name. So, uh, Carly, you are a single player sunfish. All right. Hope now, you enjoy. Play the sting narrator. If there's one thing Dad loved more than Serenity, it was a two stroke engine on full throttle. He just loved Bonnie Doon. That's basically just to highlight the sound of a two-stroke was all I was after. I struggled to find recordings um, and that reminded me of it. How's the serenity? How is the serenity? Well, there is until you have a two-stroke motor go past. Yeah, right. So quite a while ago I spoke about uh, soundscape ecology and the fact that you know boats have been around for about 120 years but up until about... 2010 we hadn't really done much research on the impact of sounds in the ocean and so it's obviously this area was something like over 90 percent of research has all been done since in the last 10 years so there's just this boom in trying to understand what's going on and the thing i love is that scientists being scientists you know they go okay there's boat noise but let's look at the difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke engine really yeah okay so instead of just going yeah boat noise has these impacts it's like well we actually have to work out particular boat noises so there's been some research done poor old fish in lizard island i feel for them because they copper hiding there's so much research done up there um oh i thought you were saying there's so much boat traffic up there which there would be as well well there is as well but it's there's a research station there and everyone wants to go there because it is one of the most beautiful places in australia mm. but it means all the fish around there have been studied very hard and been put under all these trying conditions including one study that was done a few years ago it actually monitored the embryos of the staghorn damselfish in situ. So what it did is they put some wrapped some plastic around the coral and the damselfish would lay their eggs onto the plastic and then they were able to shine a torch through and using a camera monitor the heartbeat of the embryos. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they can sit there and watch them and then what they would do was then expose them to boat noise. Huh. And they would do it in situ. So they'd actually do it in the field. So they would drive their... Two-stroke motor passed. Singing like a bird. Singing like a bird and monitor the heart rate. Mm. And then they would drive their four-stroke motor doing the same thing. And then they would just leave them without any noise at all. And what they found is that basically the heart rate increased by was almost 5% with the two-stroke. So it sort of dramatic spikes in it, whereas mm. the four-stroke was 2%. So it was sort of half the effect or half the impact on it. Can I ask a really technical question? What is sure? the difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke motor? I really have no idea. Uh, two stro well, to be honest, I'm not much when it comes to motors, but two-stroke 
Is it t- the Pistons? Pistons. Narrative's coming through. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake of this segment, it is one is noisier than the other. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, a four-stroke is a lot quieter. Yep. Uh, which obviously has something to do with the engineering side of it. There's probably people out right. there screaming into their radios. <laughs> these guys have no idea. It's <laughs> which <the> is true. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it is more to do with the sound that they produce. Yeah, right. Yeah, the four-stroke is a lot quieter. Uh, but the thing that came out of that is they're like, they don't know whether this is ecologically relevant, but it is just an indicator that there is stress from this. So, so to, to develop on this further, they went another step, and that was to investigate how noise affected the behaviour, space use and escape response of juvenile damselfish. So when we talk about space use, it's basically how much area that they will move around. They tend to be quite territorial and stay in the same spot. Escape response is that idea if they smell a predator, they will disappear. Mm. So what they'd do, they'd capture the juveniles and then they'd set up little artificial reefs that they would then put them onto. And again, using the boats, they would drive or ride past. And the way that they detect whether or the way they measure whether it's going to move away from a predator is that they actually catch a predator, knock Mm. it on the head in a bag, syringe out the scent of it, and inject the, oh. s- the seawater towards it. So right. it's a plume of that thing. And a fish doing the right thing will basically move away from that scent. Mm. It uses that scent to sort of... So this is all based on other studies that have been done that realise wow. this is the case. And so they did that and, again, repeated it with the two-stroke engine going past and the four-stroke engine. Um, for those technical ones who were yelling at the radio before, the engines were both on boats of the same hull shape. Right. Uh, so the only difference was the actual motors themselves and the right. noise produced. So what they found, two-stroke, the fish no longer responded to the alarm odours. So what it is, they were sort of a bit disorientated. They didn't show sort of behaviour that would indicate that that odour was detrimental to them, so they didn't respond. Um, instead, they actually increased their activity and fewer fish responded appropriately, okay. I like that, to a looming threat. Yep. So it actually impairs their ability to respond to things like predation and things that, that would affect them. Whereas the four-stroke only had minor influence on space use and not the ability to respond to the alarm motors or the escape response. So it was quite a dramatic sort of effect. And when I was planning on presenting this a while ago, the reason I actually went down this path is because... We're basically, since the 1st of July, companies are banned from importing high-emission um, motors, which is outboard motors, lawnmowers, chainsaws, etc., which has effectively banned the importation of two-stroke engines. Into Australia? Into Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not that this research actually was... Part of that. Part of that, but mm. it's just interesting to see that... You know, finding these things out and there's actually things that can be done about it to reduce these use but the bigger picture is when it comes into things such as marine parks and marine reserves they're now starting to talk about areas where they lock them off for sound as well because there's quite an impact so again this is something that's only just starting to sort of come through and there's plenty more papers and i did a bit of a, a literature search since i've presented this and i've now I've got another segment that I'll be able to bump next year a few times and present eventually. We won't be doing that, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words, I yes. know. Yeah. We had a um, we actually had a, a message that came through via our um, Facebook page as well um, when we uh, put up and it just the 
the details of what we're going to be doing on today's program, asking about drones. And apparently there have been some changes in regulations to how close you can get drones to marine protected areas, um, marine parks in particular. So we're, we're going to look into that one as well. I just wanted to get back to, um, to the person who put that comment up. Thank you, Dallas, for putting that one up. And um, we'll look into that one some more as well. Yeah, well, I think it's, there'd be some interesting behavioural stuff. I think Dave might have touched on that when we've spoken to him about um, drones altering behaviour of the whales and whales. things like that. Yeah, so yeah. there's obviously some research now starting to come out along those lines as well and how it impairs... Um, some species. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, Dallas commented that he hadn't heard much about it. We haven't heard much about it either. So thanks, Dallas. We will look into that one because it's really important to know. It's one of those things that it's easy to to know if it's a marine protected area not to take your boat in there. But for people who are standing on the shore, it's it's a, a lot easier to send a drone up and across and. We need to know what that's well, all about. And protected from so many different things. We often don't think of these things when yeah. they're coming in, so it's starting to change. That's yeah. it. Thanks, Kate. It was a pleasure, Brian. Are you, feeling, are you feeling relieved? We've finally got noise part two done. <laughs> I am. I can take that bookmark out that's about 50 pages <laughs> back in my notebook <laughs> and start afresh. <laughs> Excellent. Hi, I'm David Suzuki, and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR 102.7 FM. You are indeed. Good morning, Jeff Maynard. Good morning, Bron Burton. Great to have you here. Oh, fun to be. Well, actually, it's not fun to be here today. I'm a little intimidated because Nerid is on the panel instead of Kent, and it might not have picked the best <laughs> week to do the segment of Soundwave meets Blowwave TV shows from the 1970s. I think my I got the wrong one. Uh, but anyway, look, what? I'm going I'm to plough on. Uh, <laughs> I am so curious. Okay. Um, in 1940, uh, it's TV shows from the 70s. I think I've said that. 1940s, a guy called William Marston, who was a little strange. He had two wives and he used to get them to tie him up and, and he was into bondage. He also invented, a, he was a psychologist, he also invented an early form of lie detector and he had some other strange habits as well. Um, but he wanted to come up with a female comic book character. And so based on one of the wives, he came up with Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah. Um, and... and uh, he uh, made this comic book character and he made her come from this island of women and uh, it was World War II, so some American guy lands on the island and Wonder Woman has to take her back to, to think, uh, take him back to you know, the real world and um, off she goes and that was the basis of, of this female sort of superhero. She had powers, she had a lasso, which came from the bondage thing of the guy that she could sort of wrap around people and make them tell the make them tell the truth which comes from the lie detector part of his what he did as well um, they, they see, missed oh, that bit in the recent there, movie with Gal yeah, there it is on board no, at the moment no, okay. I'm a total I've, fan of Wonder Woman but I, I've got my fingers crossed um, any, anyway she, she goes and she had an invisible aeroplane and she had these great bracelets she sort of wave around and they'd stop bullets Anyway, in the 70s, they made it into a TV series with a uh, Linda Carter, who was about six foot tall and a Miss Universe or Miss World or something contestant. And, and uh, any, Anyway, we're going to pick up the first bit from the TV series. Wonder Woman or Diana Prince is about to leave the island and her mother has made a little outfit for her to wear in the real world, which is about, looks like it's been made of a corner cut off of an American flag. It's about 10 centimetres square of material. And mum's made this into this kind of uniform for, for Diana to wear. The colours were chosen to show your allegiance to freedom and democracy. The skirt can be discarded if it should prove cumbersome. There are many things you don't know about the world of men. There are even some women there who are less than our 
Amazonian ideal. I believe I can handle them, Mother. I know you can. The invisible plane is waiting. Go in peace, my daughter. And remember that in the world of ordinary mortals, you are a wonder woman. violins. Oh, yeah, well, look, I, I had to, because it's Radio Marinara, so I had to come up with an episode where she did something fishy. Yeah, okay. And I came up with an episode of Wonder Woman from uh, the 1970s called The Deadly Dolphin. Um, when Wonder Woman gets to the real world, uh, she can't walk around in this skimpy little sort of um, outfit and her high heel red boots and things all the time, so she has to become Diana Prince and she puts on a, she ties her hair up in a bun she puts on this big long thing, and she, she becomes the secretary of this guy from Navy or Army Intelligence called uh, Steve Trevor, and uh, she walks around. And anyway, in this episode, uh, Steve Trevor, the Army guy, lets her know that someone's stolen a dolphin, and she's trying to figure out what's going on with the dolphin. He's a bottlenose dolphin, and his name is Bluebeard. Well, what does the Navy say about him? Not much. They can't find his service records. Dolphins have service records? I sure do. Only Bluebeards is either mislaid or stolen. Now, all they know is that he served four years in research for Navy Sea Lab in Florida. Now, apparently, two weeks ago, he went AWOL from the Caribbean. Since then, he's been listed as missing or dead until, of course, he showed up here in Los Angeles. Well, Bluebeard is obviously pretty good at something special. But who would want a dolphin badly enough to steal him twice? Yeah, who would want a dolphin barely enough to steal a toy? Apparently, Bluebeard's special skill is they attach limpet mines to his back <laughs> and he runs around and he blows up ships. And the baddie, and I can't remember the baddie's name in this episode because it was incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> they all are. 70s TV doesn't, it just doesn't age well. You know, they really are. Anyway. Do they kind of go into the detail of how this dolphin manages to get the limpet mines off its back and onto the ships? Well, that's the tricky bit, Brian. Mm. You hit it. You got it. Because it normally has this detachable thing. Uh, but the baddie leaves the dolphin stuck to the limpet mine, oh. so he's going to kill the dolphin as well. Oh. But the baddie, no, no, no. What's happened? There's a big oil tanker full of oil just off the California coast, mm -hmm. and the baddie's going to send the dolphin in, blow up the oil tanker, spill oil everywhere, and land values will go down along the coast. And the baddie's going to snap up and buy all the land, right? And then, um, you know, I. I he didn't Solid really think plan. It, didn't didn't think it through, <laughs> but wait till they clean up the oil spill and sell it as a profit. Is that what happened with the Exxon Valdez? <laughs> it was well, a it dolphin with a limpet yeah, mine. It, it could have been. Yeah. No wonder we might. Um, and uh, anyway, where, well, anyway, so he's going to send the dolphin under. Now, Steve Trevor, the army guy, is is. Um, He's not the brightest spark. He's, he's not, you, you know how you never see Captain Trash and Neil Blake in the same <laughs> room at the same time? And Lois Lane, like, you know, she sort of, Clark came to take his glasses off and she said, oh, look, Superman, where did Clark go? And all that <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve Trevor's about the same. He's, he's, he's working in army intelligence. He's got... <laughs> he's, <laughs> He's, he's got this six-foot gorgeous kind of woman walking around with a hair and a bun and a pair of librarian glasses on, and he calls her Diana. But then she takes the glasses off and lets her head... She sort of spins around to change into a yeah, costume. Yeah. She takes her glasses off and lets her head out. He goes, oh, Wonder Woman, where did Diana go? And all that kind of stuff. So whenever they sum up the episodes and he, she has to 
Diana has to come along and talk about it. She always says, oh, I just saw Wonder Woman. And she said that if everybody does this from now on, it will be okay. Or, you know, or Wonder Woman said, I just passed Diana Prince in the car park. And he goes, oh, you know, Steve, Steve Trevor said. So anyway, we're going to have the little summary when they're figuring out that the dolphin's okay or something or other. And she's sort of saying, oh, I just saw Wonder Woman. Well, the gentleman is here on probation and... Uh he does have a way with dolphins. Wonder Woman and the court were both hoping he could help you untrain Bluebeard so that he can't be used to blow things up again. Wonder Woman said that you seemed pretty relieved when she stopped your boat and captured that Lockhart. Yeah, well, that Wonder Woman is something else. <laughs> Wonder Woman! Now it's a great theme. It is, and and the, the the lyrics are a little subversive. I'm just passing out the lyrics at the moment. Oh no! <laughs> no, yes we are. But well, this is only the first chorus because a big thing about the skimpy outfit was they worked it into the theme. So I'm actually going to read the lyrics for the first chorus of the one, and then we're all going to sing it. Nothing really wrong with that. Oh, well, thank you, Nerida. Um, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, all the world is waiting for you and the power you possess. In your satin tights, fighting for your rights, and the old red, white, and blue, which of course is a reference to America. So uh, we're going to go out, or we're going to do the next little bit. We're just going to sing this along, Brian. Really? (laughs) Yeah, you are. I want you to sing the Wonder Woman song. You ready? Come on. Nera is going to hear. Anthony should be here. He likes doing this kind of stuff. Oh no! Everyone under pressure. Sing Sing along. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, all the world is waiting for you, and the power you possess, in your satin tights, fighting for your rights, and the old red, white, and blue. the first time you've done this, is it, Merida? Ah. Uh, <laughs> I love me a bit of karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> Another Wonder Woman song, I, I, I'm talking. Oh, no, yeah, I'm telling you. No. Yeah, I used to watch the, the lyrics, show all the time. In the lyrics of the second chorus or something, it, it's uh, to make a hawk a dove, stop a war with love. Oh. And, oh. and, and it, it, so the whole the whole. Pre- I didn't realise the song was such icky propaganda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was Wonder Woman. Fun. That was awesome. Oh, that was little, too good. I'm a little ahead of time, but we can actually wrap up in time when you do all your things. So nice. you're welcome. Thank you. Any clues on next time? No idea. Excellent. That's just how we, that just how we It'll have it. It'll be a TV show from the 1970s. <laughs> hey, we've had another subscriber who's come through, uh, David Vesey from Northcote. Thank you, David. Subscribing to Marinara, you're an up-level umbrella jellyfish. And um, I will continue to bring in our fish names over the next couple of weeks right up until um oh, actually next week will be the last one so uh, up till pay up period mentioning that again wednesday 25th of september um thank you very much kate it was a pleasure bro and thank you narrator so much for today um and uh thanks to neil blake who was in here as well uh on next week's program dr beach is going to be in the house as well as rex hunter and um we will catch you next sunday for more all things wet and salty stay tuned for radiotherapy they will take you through to 11 o'clock with Dr. Shane and his crew will take you through to 12. Have a wonderful Sunday and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye for now.
Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.